Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you to you all. What a warm welcome. Thank you. Happy Father's Day to you. It's so good to be uh, sharing on Father's Day. Um, I've had a really good Father's Day so far. My gift, I'm told it's sort of a joint birthday and Father's Day gift, but I've had a, a barbecue uh, pizza oven combo, which I used yesterday, so I used it before Father's Day. Um, we thought about using it tonight, but I believe it might rain tonight, so we thought, let's do, let's do Father's Day yesterday. So I'm already very much in the Father's Day mood. I don't know what your thoughts are about Father's Day. It's probably mixed. I lost my dad 10 years this, this year, 10 years ago, um, I lost my dad. And, and I would say Father's Day for me um, isn't a sad day, for sure. It's, 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 a, it's a celebration. I remember and think back to what my dad was like, and I'm very thankful for how good a model a father my own dad was to me. Now that I am a father five years ago, um, yeah, Abigail's five, just over five. <laughs> um, I became a father, so I've got one, one daughter called Abigail, but you might have a different point of view on Father's Day, and I'm aware that it's different kind of a cross-section of the church, but I've got one thing that we are all in common with, one thing that we all have in common. I know for a fact, and you can fact-check me afterwards, but I know this is a fact. You might not all be fathers, you might not all be mothers, but you were once a child. Everyone in the room has that common, whether you knew your dad, whether you knew your mum, whether you, you've grown up with parents, whatever, you, you were a child, guaranteed. None of us, and I had this thought, and I, I, I was, um, you know worms, when you dig in the garden, you cut them in half, and they kind of like, what I thought reform into two worms, but biologically, that's not possible. What happens is, depending on where you make that cut in that worm, that worm doesn't make two adults. It just about makes one adult and one dead bit of worm. That's kind of how it works. But as a child, I believe that cutting a worm in half would make two. I, you know, you don't cut a human in half and make two adult, adults in half and make two adults. You have to be a baby. <laughs> a quick biology lesson for you on the life cycle of a worm. But anyway, thinking about children, thinking a little bit, I want, I want to take you down memory lane. Because for some of you, myself included, it's, being a child was a long time ago. Can you remember what it was like to be a child? I'm going to show you some images, a little bit of audience participation, a little bit of a, a, little bit of a revisit of the 90s, a little bit of the 80s. So if you were a child of the 70s, 60s, 50s, 40s, 30s, 20s, 10s, I'm sorry. If you were a child of the noughties, you might relate to this. If you were a child of like, what's the one after the noughties, the, the 10s, then you might be in kids' church. Uh, would you? Yeah. Oh, no, you'd just be a teenager. Anyway, forget that. I like to think I've covered at least one of these next images you'll relate to. You, you, you'll, it'll be a little bit of nostalgia for you. So a little bit of a quiz, audience participation. When you see an image on the screen, just shout out what you think it is. So Lizzie's going to help us out. Lizzie, image number one on the screen is... Bing! Shout it out. What is it? It's something that I've only ever seen in a museum, a Betamax. It was like before VHS video, before DVD, before Blu-ray, before uh, streaming was Betamax. You could record stuff with this beautiful bit of technology. These still do exist. Um, next one, this one, we've been, these have come back recently. Image number two, Lizzie, is a 
Rubik's Cube from the 80s. You know, I told you, if you're in the 80s, you, I'm, I'm looking after you today. Next one, again, is from the 80s slash early 90s. You don't see these anymore. Image number three is, do you know what these are? These are Happy Meal toys from the 80s, early 90s. They're like Transformer Happy I, they, I picture these. I've, I've had these as a child. Um, nowadays, kids in Happy Meals get books or little cardboard toys. This is back in the day when we didn't care how much plastic we made. Because <laughs> these would just end up either in the bin or in your toy box. And when you're 16 and you leave home, you're like, wow, where did this come from? You don't leave home at 16, probably. 18 or 19, whatever. I'm not quite on form today. I think it's Father's Day. Um, next one, Lizzie, is Pogs. School playground will never be the same again. Um, this one is, I've tried to be um, a little bit, the next one is universal. I didn't have these, but you might have had these, Lizzie. Jelly shoes. I think these are back. A lot of people had jelly shoes when they were a child. I think people still have them nowadays. Um, next one, Lizzie. I had one of these. Tamagotchi. A little pet that you kept in your pocket and you, you tried to keep alive, but normally died after a week. Uh, here's a bit of nostalgia for you. Moment of silence, please, for the next image. Where you get all those, prize, all those presents from, and yet pick a mix. Moment of silence, please, for Woolworths. Child, childhood nostalgia, gone. Here we go, a little bit more of my early teens. Next image. What is it? Nokia 3210 playing the game of Snake. No mobile game has ever beaten Snake for its just brilliance. Here we go. Next one. I've got two more for you. What have we got next, Lizzie? Solitaire on your computer, on your Windows 95 machine or later. But I just picture, you know, the first computer I had, all it could do is word process and that game. And Minesweeper as well as the other one. Um, and then this one for um, in the 90s, certainly teenagers, high school. What's this? MSN Messenger. This is before like group chats. This is before. This is like the original um, group chats. You do it on your computer. No mobile devices. No app. It was on your computer, and you'd have to log in to do it. Final one is not a picture. It's a sound. Take it away, tech team. What is this sound? Wait a sec. Trying to get the internet on. At this point, you'll be playing solitaire to pass the time. It's taking so long. The computer is trying to connect to the internet. No Wi-Fi, no super fast broadband. It was dial-up internet. And if you were lucky, you got signal. <laughs> I thought it'd take you a trip down memory lane. For me, that was my childhood. For you, it might have been a little bit later. But I'm trying to remind you about being a child because that's my message today. I'm going to read you some scriptures to sort of bring this back into uh, not just the 21st century, but bring this back into the 1st century. Let's bring this back into the Bible. Mark 9. I'm going to read two scriptures, one from Mark 9, one from Mark 10. 
And it says in verse 33 of Mark 9, after they arrived at Capernaum and settled in a house, Jesus asked his disciples, what were you discussing out on the road, guys? Just add a bit of dramatization. Guys, what, what were you discussing out on the road? But they didn't answer because they had been arguing about which of them was the greatest, the goat, the greatest of all time. He sat down, called the 12 disciples over to him and said, whoever wants to be the first must, be, must take last place and the servant of everyone else. Then he put a little child among them. Taking the child in his arms, he said to them, anyone who welcomes a little child like this on my behalf welcomes me. And anyone who welcomes me welcomes not only me, but also my father who sent me. So that's one interaction between Jesus and a child. One chapter later, only a few verses later, in Mark 10, verse 13, Jesus interacts with a child again, and it says this in verse 13. One day, some parents brought their children to Jesus so he could touch and bless them. But those arguing disciples scolded the parents for bothering him. When Jesus saw that what was happening, he was angry with his disciples. He said to them, let the children come to me. Don't stop them, for the kingdom of God belongs to those who are like these children. I tell you the truth, anyone who doesn't receive the kingdom of God like a child, give it to us half-hearted Jesus. He's just two barrels down our throat kind of thing. Anyone who doesn't receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. Wow. Then he took the children in his arms and placed his hands on their heads and blessed them. I think we need to receive the kingdom like a child. And that's my message today. In fact, this is, this is the phrase I had in preparation. This message is called, How to Be a Child. Now, if you like titles, great. Maybe put that one in brackets, because I've got two titles for you. Because since, as my journey in preparation went on, I slightly changed the title. You can take which one which one you prefer. It's very much a sort of, you pick, pick a mix message today. You choose your own title for today. Option one is how to be a child. I'll let you know option two in a bit. Because like a, I don't know if anyone else reads that passage about Jesus welcoming the children in the same way that I do sometimes, or certainly I did. A little bit cynically. I sort of read it and say, well, Jesus, of course you want to welcome the children. Of course you love children. You didn't have to put them to bed at night. Jesus you didn't have to change their nappy. Jesus, you didn't have to put up with a tantrum in the middle of Tesco when everybody was watching. Jesus, you don't really know children, do you? They're a bit inconvenient at times. <laughs> no, he does know children and he loves them. But you kind of, it's a little bit like the grandparents sort of scenario. Grandparents love feeding children, their grandchildren, with loads of e-numbers and loads of sweets and fizzy drinks and then give them back to the parents. Just like in this scenario, Jesus could kind of fill the children with so much love and then give them back to the parents, hyper, ready for bed. I know that's a little bit not actually how it plays out, but it, goes to, it makes the point that children, you, Jesus uses a very imperfect 
example for the kingdom of God. Children, I guarantee, are not perfect. They make mess. They make noise. They're problematic. They're difficult. They make things stressful at times. Although it doesn't really change when you get an adult. You make mess, <laughs> cause stress. So it's no different as, a, as an adult. But children, you could argue, aren't the perfect example. If you wanted a perfect example of how I want you to be like that. If you be like that, then you'll go to heaven. You'll, be, you'll become a Christian. You'll, you'll enter the kingdom of God. Children aren't perfect. We all know that if you've ever come into contact with a child. Surely Jesus also doesn't want us to be like childlike forever. Surely there's a, Jesus, surely there's a better example in Scripture for how we could be, um, you know, people that of the kingdom. But no, Jesus stands by um, children. He loves children. And just to kind of add another dimension to it, I'm just going to read some Scripture um, from uh, three Scriptures to you to kind of add another layer to what I'm trying to say. In John 1, verse 12, it says, Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. You might have heard that phrase before, child of God. 1 John 3 verse 1 says, See how very much our Father on Father's Day and every day loves us. For he calls us his children. If you don't like this message, if you think, oh, children are a bit stinky and a bit messy, Jesus calls you children. And that's not a bad thing. That's a really good thing. And that is what we are. But the people who belong to this world don't recognize that we are God's children because they don't know him. And then finally, Romans 8, verse 15. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba, Father, Daddy. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. So option number one for the title is how to be a child. If you prefer this one, you can have this one. Option number two is how to be a child of God. How to be a child of God. And I've got three um, things, points, three observations based on that scenario in which Jesus interacts with children. Things that we can learn to help us be and stay children of God. Things that we need to know, some inside information. If you've forgotten what it's like to be a child, if it's been so long ago, I'm going to remind you, give you a little bit of an inside information, what it is like to be a child of God, just to remind you how to be a child. First one, it's not rocket science, it's super easy. Number one is all children are loved. All children of God are loved. Look how Jesus treats the children. I think it's in verse 14 of of Mark 10. He said to them, let the children come to me. Don't stop them, for the kingdom of God belongs to these. And I know that we can't necessarily go to a physical Jesus now because we don't live in this first century. We, we haven't got a physical Jesus we can go and sit in the lap of as a child. And I understand that. But we do have prayer. This week we're praying. And I would encourage you, like a child, to come to Jesus to come closer to Jesus. And don't, you know, there's so much noise and there's so many people telling us and there's so many things in our head that says, don't go to Jesus. You can't. Rebuking ourselves. Go to Jesus in prayer. Go to Jesus in prayer because not only does he want you to be with him, get this, he wants to be with you. He wants to be with you. He wants to be with 
children. And children only go to people that they feel safe with. I have a little girl who will only really go and talk, certainly talk. It was great to see her say, Happy Father's Day on that video, because for a, a few years, she's been almost mute in public. And it's very rare that she'll open up to somebody unless she trusts them and has spent, and that person has kind of, um, she knows that person. And more often than not, she trusts the people that mommy and daddy know and trust and love. So that's kind of how it works with children. And I think we're the same, which begs the question when we pray and when we approach God, do you trust him? Do you believe him? Do you know that he loves you? Do, they know, do you know that he would do anything for you and he wants to be with you, even when you're stinky and sweaty and annoying and you've annoyed your brother and sister? He wants to be with you, warts and all. So when you come to Jesus in worship, even after this message, we'll sing. When, when you next pray at home or here or, or whatever you choose to do, when you next come to church, come knowing that you are loved by him, your father in heaven. And don't worry what other people like the disciples think. Don't worry what others say or, or try and not say. Come to Jesus knowing that you are loved. So how to be a child of God, number one, is know that you are loved. Trust that you are loved. Believe that you are loved. Jesus would do anything for you. The Father gave everything for you. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That so whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. As I was saying that, did I say that right? Roughly, yeah. <laughs> I suddenly thought, did I miss a bit out? He loves you. Point number one. The second thing we need to know about children is children are limited. Both, all three of my points begin with an L. Loved and limited. And that's not a bad thing. Limited is not a bad thing. The disciples in Mark, in, in Mark 10, 13 try and restrict the parents and the children. And I know that wasn't good and, and that made Jesus angry, but we as people have restrictions placed upon us all the time. And that doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad thing. What is bad is historically how children, using children as the illustration, is how historically children have been treated. Things like child abuse and child poverty and child sacrifice and child slavery some of those things still exist now children historically you know just look at victorian england or look at you know child slavery and things like that children throughout their history have had a low status in life it's not like they've been um powerful children taking over the world kind of thing children are put in their place and they're at the mercy of adults to give them um, an opportunity or to give them um, a roof over their head they're at the mercy of other people children are limited they had a lowly status even now there's very little a child can do to improve his or her status in life they can look cute they can say the right things and be well behaved but Really, can they get the best opportunity in life without help from an adult, without help from society, without help from a politician? They, they need it. They need help. And what's really interesting in that first passage I read where Jesus interacts with children, I'll just read one verse, verse 35 from Mark 9. The, the disciples have been talking about, I'm the best. No, you're the best. No, I'm the best. No, we're the best. No, who's the best? I can take on the world. I'm a disciple. I am not limited. I am indestructible. 
And Jesus says, whoever wants to be the first must take the last place and be the servant of everyone. Whoever wants to be the first, whoever wants to be a child of God must acknowledge they are limited. And that's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. Most children know they're limited. I've never known a baby to come out of the womb and say, I know how to change my nappy. Get out of the way. I can do it myself. I don't know many children. There probably are one or two. Maybe they're fishes like Nemo. But most children need somebody to teach them how to swim or ride a bike. They, need, they can't do some things themselves. And we as adults, we lose that. We think we can take on the world. I can do anything. Or I will be stubborn enough to at least pretend I can do anything. And I'm not going to be vulnerable. And I'm not going to uh, let other people in and help me. But there's some things only God can do. And we need to recognize that only he can save us. Only God can forgive us. Only God can renew us. Only God can change us. Only he can do. It's a little bit like Paul's talked about sabbatical, but um, in Emotionally Healthy Spirituality this week, we've been looking at Sabbath, which is, is taking one day out of seven off from work. How many of us can put our head on our heart, no, a hand on our heart and say, yeah, I do that every week without fail, 24 hours, I do nothing but basking God's good goodness. We struggle with it because we don't like limitation. We want to get every bit of potential out of every day. So I'm going to work till six every day. I'm going to work till 10. I'm going to, I'm going to keep, I need to work seven days because on that day I'm off. I don't feel valued because I'm not doing anything. I'm not earning my kind of credibility with God. So I need to do something. But Jesus says, what about just one day? You do nothing. You don't need any credit for it. I won't love you any more or any less. Your value isn't in what you do. It is in who you are. Sabbath. You're limited. You can't work seven days a week. You're limited. You can't do it. You can't lead a church for 10 years, 20, 30, 40 years without a break. You're limited. And it's a good thing. It's a good thing. Take prayer and fasting. What's beautiful about fasting is you limit yourself. You say, I'm going to deliberately limit myself because the world isn't my oyster. I'm not going to take what I want. I'm going to be restricted because I know there's value to being limited like a child who can't do everything. Children of God are limited. And I've used that word limited because it's an L word, but you kind of understand what I'm trying to say. Jesus calls us not to push ourselves to the front, but allow him to do the promoting. Put in other people. That's the heart of what it is to be a child of God. To put others first before yourself. So you, you, I'm slightly changing my own points. You are loved. Children of God are loved. Children of God are limited. And that's okay. That's good. If, you, if I could do everything, then that would be hard work. But I can't, so it's easy. <laughs> Thirdly, children are a lesson. A lesson. Why does Jesus use children to illustrate his teaching? I think it's because there's something about children that Jesus recognizes. We need to learn from children. We, we can sometimes see children as an inconvenience, but children are the best teachers in life. There is no better teacher in life than a child. There's no better 
a person to humble you than a child. There's no better um, person to teach you what it's like at 4 a.m. night after night after night than a child. There's so many things that you can learn about yourself, about selfishness. You don't realize that you're a selfish person until you have a child, and it's all about somebody else. Children are great teachers. In fact, Forbes magazine, is that a magazine? Yeah, Forbes magazine says the top 10, yeah, I'll read them all, 10 things you can learn from children. Some of these we've sort of covered in one way. Children, number one, seeking and accepting help. Children just ask a bit. Sometimes they ask for help a bit too much. Abigail is well potty trained by now, but sometimes she wants me to, you know, do things that I would have done for her as a baby. She just, children have no problem asking for help. Number two, curiosity and learning. When as, when as adults do we stop being curious about life? A lifelong love of learning is a really good thing that we should keep going from our childhood. And number three, chill, uh, meeting strangers without prejudice. As adults, we kind of look at somebody and we kind of pick, we sort of look at what they're wearing, look at what the color of their skin is, look at their age, look at their height, look at their whatever, and we make prejudice and we, we ch- potentially change our behavior. Children don't do that. They, they play with anyone as long as, you know, they, they get on with them. Um, number four, complete honesty. Children are sometimes a bit too honest. Having fun. When did we forget to laugh as adults? When did we forget how to have fun? Number six, the power of play, again, similar. We stop playing around about, I don't know, what age? We, 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 56, we stop playing. <laughs> um, digital skills, so children um, just come out of the womb knowing how to use an iPad nowadays. I don't even know how that happens, but it does. Uh, creativity, uh, starting friendships, and living in the present. When Abigail's playing with me, she's not thinking about what she's got to do tomorrow. She's living in that moment. I wish I could learn something about being a child again, being a child of God. Because children are a lesson. And if the world can learn from a child, it can learn from a child of God. If the world can learn from a child of God, it can learn from you and me. You're the best teacher because you're a child of God. Let others know, just like Jesus used the example of a child, let the world know what it's like and how it is to enter the kingdom of God. You're that lesson. You're that child that can show the world what it is like and how it is to enter the kingdom of God. The Great Commission is go into all the world and make disciples, teaching them to obey everything I'm teaching and baptizing them in the name of the... We can do that. Because we're children of God. We are great teachers. We are great examples. So let's show others how to do just that. Let's understand that as a child of God, we need to know that we're loved. And I'm bringing this into a conclusion now. I'm, going to, I'm, going to, I'm aware that maybe one or two people in the room that aren't a child of God, or you might be thinking, I've not heard that phrase before. You might not be a Christian. You might not be... Um, a follower of Jesus. And I'm going to give you, because I thought Father's Day, it's a, it's a day of celebration. Let's give you an opportunity to respond to that message, to become a child of God, to recognize that you are loved. But in closing, before I do that, how to be a child of God? Firstly, trust that you are loved. Trust. Because it's not always easy to believe that you're loved. But know that God loves you. And there's nothing that he... We often as parents, we'd say, well, I'd die for my kids. And we would. 
if it was given between them and us. We would, I'm sure. But know that God has already died for his kids. And he did it for you. He died for you. That's how much he loves you. Trust that you are loved. Secondly, and this is part of, um, I'm, we're going to pray a prayer. And this is what I did when I was, a, I think I was 13 or 14 years of age. You admit that you're limited. You have to admit to become a child of God. You have to admit that you've got a past that needs forgiving. And it's called repentance. And it means changing direction and moving in a different direction. I need to admit, not just as a one-off every day, that I'm limited. God, I need you. I can't save myself. I don't know the way to heaven, but I know the way. He is the way. And then thirdly, is to remember, because sometimes we forget. We don't see our purpose, but remember that you are a lesson. That's my language for today, but remember that you have purpose, you have destiny, you have a future, God wants to use you to bring glory to his name. God wants to use you to extend his kingdom. God wants to use you to reach out to your schools and universities and colleges and workplaces and neighborhoods. You you are the lesson. You are a lesson. You are an example to those around you. You are loved, yet you are limited. And yet, even despite your limitations, God still wants to use you as a lesson to this world. And as Toby plays, I'm going to ask everybody to stand to their feet. I wish I'd put it on the screen in some ways, but I'm going to read it. Maybe this will help it sink in. You've really got to listen to my voice. And maybe um, everyone in the church can help, help us out, actually. Maybe we'll do some more audience participation, and we'll get you to repeat what I say line by line. Because I don't know everyone in the room. I don't know if you've come because you've been invited by somebody. I don't know whether you're new to church or you've, you've kind of... We use this phrase in church prodigal son you might have been in church at one point but you've walked away and today you're back I don't know everyone's circumstance but I'm going to assume there's somebody in the room that will benefit from this prayer this is a prayer similar to what a prayer I prayed in church 20 20 years ago and it's a day that I decided to become a child of God and I recognized that I had a father in heaven so if you would if the rest of the church could help and just you don't need to shout it out but just say it after me because I think there's some value to saying a prayer out loud so it goes like this I'll try and do it in a succinct way dear God thank you that you made me and you know everything about me and yet you love me God, I admit I'm limited. I'm sorry that I've done things to hurt you and to hurt others. From now on, I submit all I think, say and do to your perfect will for my life. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross in my place. so that I can be forgiven. Please send your spirit to work in me 
so that I can be a lesson to the world. I declare that I am a child of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now perhaps we can stay in just this attitude of prayer and and one or two people, well, you can all just keep your eyes closed and just think of God, think of your Father. And is there anyone in this room that has prayed that and you want to say, yes, I want to be a child of God. I'm not a Christian. I want today to become a Christian for the first time. On Father's Day 2023, I discovered that I'm a child of God and I knew my Father. If that is you and you're thinking, oh, isn't it hot in here? I'm getting a bit sweaty. I know it is hot, but maybe God is saying something to you. Maybe your heartbeat is racing a little bit and you're sort of thinking, I should do something about this. I believe. That's what happened with me. I just couldn't hold back the heart rate and the the feeling of God is speaking to me and I just responded. So I'm going to ask anyone that wants to respond just to lift up a hand and then we'll close this message off and we'll sing. Is there anyone in the room while people are closing their eyes? Just give me a wave and stick up a hand on Father's Day 2023. Does anybody want to become a Christian, a follower of Jesus? Just lift up a hand. Sciences. Not to put any pressure on you, but in a moment we'll sing and I'll invite the band to come up to help us with this moment. But is there anyone that wants to respond to Jesus? I won't keep pushing it. I can see a little hand up. I don't know whether that's waving at me, but a little child. If it was a child of God, I don't know whether they're waving at me, but I'll, t- <laughs> I'll take it. But we're all children. We're all children. And Father, we thank you that we're children of God. And I thank you for this congregation of people. Thank you, God, that you love us, that you know us, that we, even in our limitations, you accept us for who we are and you give us a purpose and a plan and a future. And God, I pray for anybody in this room that's considering becoming a Christian today. May they, before they leave today, make a response and do something to respond to you. God, for everybody in the church, would we be reminded of just how much you love us, Jesus. On Father's Day, may we know the love of of the Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.